It's Gentleman Jack Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth century groveling. 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 Good lord. Hello, hello, friends. Hi. <laughs> we are back. That kind of sounds like a gin high that you just did. But, I mean... Uh, Maybe that's you trying to force the happy feels and optimism, given the fuck shit uh, we just went through. You gotta push through the dolefuls. What you gotta do? Yeah, Lisa, this is this is dolefuls compounded upon dolefuls to the fifth power. It's a little bit out of control, and it started. It began with the FKA Twigs concert we saw earlier this night. Mm. Yes, yes. Another artist, actually. Now that I think about it, because last time we said we saw a thing that was no Linus Morissette, it was Mahalia who was also very enjoyable. And she, she seemed was. like she was on some breakup shit. And we just saw FKA Twigs and you guys. <laughs> Something's woo. in the air. It's the Dofels. There were, as I was telling you earlier, there were like three, because we kind of, the crowd did a push and then you were somewhere back there and I was a little bit further in front. And at one point when she was performing a song, there were three women all sobbing in front of me. And the way my empathy works, I literally can't help but succumb to the energy that's around me. It's just, I, it's why I don't like hospitals or certain things, but things like concerts can be very powerful experiences for me. I could see if it's that. positive, then I'm like, yes, I'm feeling this uh, positive emotion amplified. But if it's negativity or sickness or something like that, it really takes me down. And so before the song was over, I was like, can I give you guys hugs? Like, do you, are you okay? And FKA Twigs was crying, quite frankly. So she made mm-hmm. it worse. Mm-hmm. So I was like, everyone's crying. These girls directly in front of me, this close to me are crying. You're crying up there and I'm feeling it. The whole crowd is having a surge of emotion. What the fuck? Rob Patterson who? I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I don't know. I don't know about that head jaunt. I don't know what that is. I don't, uh, I cannot relate. (laughs) It's like when Atlantis broke up with a dude from Full House. I was like, Full House, bitch. He put you in a dope full like this. Woo. That is, that is the head agenda. That is head propaganda. Right. And ladies, you must fight, fight the power. Liberate yourself. Liberate yourselves. Because no dude should have you feeling like that. Please. And then before we fucking left, um, I there was a, a woman. My spidey sense was tingling. And that spidey sense is, there's a woman in trouble, Candace. Look around you. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. And there was a girl who I'd seen her kind of falling around, maybe like second to last song or something like that. I remember turning and being like, oh, is that? But because it looked like she was with someone or maybe, you know, a drunk slip, I was like, okay, it's fine. But when the song ended, like all the way, she went all the way down to the ground. And I turned around and people were just especially dudes, just looking, not helping. And I just, I literally cannot stand in life when someone is obviously needing help, obviously in a vulnerable position and people are just gawking or like, well, I mean, I don't know this person, so fuck it. Turns out, and I was like, excuse me, excuse me. Is she need help? Is she drunk? Cause I, I was thinking drunk, drugs, sick. Either one of those might need immediate attention. So let's figure it out. Turns out she was anemic. And I'm anemic and she hadn't eaten anything. And she was an FKA stand, so she'd been there mad early. Had no water because she was in the crowd. So she was feeling faint and things like that. And she was actually passing out. And so I was just like, hold on to me. I can lift you out of this crowd. We will get you some water. And I physically assaulted two dudes who were like, your place is closed. And I was like, I will steal this fucking water. Like, what does it require? Like, she needs water. And then finally, a dude on the right side, he's like, oh, I'll give you a cup. Because I cursed out this dude. I was like, yo, she needs water. I don't care if the bar is closed. 
I will go back there and take the water and then you're just mm-hmm. going to have to deal with the police. And yep. I will explain to them yep. how you were going to let someone stand here and be passed yep. out. So what do we want? And they're like, oh, this bitch too jaunty. Like, Give it a water. Right. <laughs> her friends, when she eventually found the rest of them, they were they were thankful and they're like, oh, you're a real one. And I'm like, people, this should be everyone though. Like, I, I guess thanks, but no. Like, this should have been the people who were with you when right. you initially right. started swaying. They should have been like, are you okay? What's going on? Are you feeling dizzy? Let's help get you someplace where you can be safe and right. like, so get stuff. Even though, like, I get it, there were crowd pushes at moments, so friends did get separated by like we the way right, right, it right. happens right but now that you're near someone else right you would either be annoyed that they're either leaning on you you see them stumbling right. something's going on check in and see if they're all right please <laughs> check in on people guy or gal or any gender but especially women who are extra vulnerable in public spaces when they are not all together and um, I'm just glad I was there. But it was a spidey tingle because I was like, something's going on. And I and then whenever people are just standoffish, like it's that bystander syndrome, rubbernecking syndrome, just that thing that's like, is it called, what is a, is it called bystander syndrome or is there something else? Like it's a term that's used um, in New York for like when people look at crimes, but they just hear it or look at it, but they don't call the police because they assume someone else will do the right thing. So they don't have to do the right oh, thing. I don't know the name of that, but I do, I do get it. I just think of when Michelle fell on performance soldier on one six a park and everybody just was like mm. <laughs> oh so what they were doing. humans are gross yeah you were like you left into action can i was like well somebody fucking somebody had to these men out here in these streets consistently disappointing me in public spaces i mean Sadly. i've said to you i rarely go to a show where i don't find someone who needs help and is not being helped by someone and they're always like oh thank you so much i'm like i'm just literally trying to pay it forward I'm just trying to make sure that some other people in the universe are like, hey, I don't know, maybe I mean, just trying to help somebody. Right. But to uh, say something good about this show and not the poor young lady who was passing out, Jude, Jude, because that was a group of queers also. So if you guys ever come across this podcast, I did not self-promote. But if you do, Jude, glad you got some water. Hope you're doing okay. I right, hope y'all got home safe. Hope you didn't pay 129 fucking dollars on the Oh Uber. my God. Those Uber surge prices, somebody gotta fucking do something about Uber. Because $125 to go six miles, I know we're in New York City, but that's out of control. Uh, I hope that girl got some spinach. That just popped into my mind. I was like, listen, if you can get up to one of these stores, go eat some raw spinach because I realized when I was older that that was one of the ways my mom like tricked me like successfully. Like how you said you never, like you ruined Santa Claus for other people. I never believed in Santa Claus and maybe it's because we were in New York City that it was just harder, you know, if you're not in some fucking burb where everyone has a right. chimney. But you're like, but what about that building over there? But what about those people whose chimney is closed? Because there's a lot of chimneys in New York where people have just like, it's like decoration. They're like, yeah, that used to work once upon a time, but not right now. And so my mom, you know, Popeye, I was that child that bought fully into the Popeye propaganda. Like what they intended was to spread the love of spinach. They did because my mom convinced me that every time I ate spinach, I got stronger. Like she could tell little me with my baby John. She was like, look at her. She, she will like the fact that she will have increased strength. Something about her. I think I can tell that she wants to be a strong person. I mean, it's not a lie that spinach makes you strong, but in the way that I believed it as a child. But I realized it's because I was anemic and my mom had all kinds of ways to make sure I was eating things high in iron, like raisins. And so she just was like, oh, I'm just going to. Put this little <laughs> white lie over here. And then by the time she figures it out, she'll already be addicted to this stuff, which is accurate. So I told the girl, I was like, you need to go get some raw spinach. If you're okay doing that, just stuff it in your mouth or get some raspberries, get some raisins, get something that'll help you. So I was just thinking, I was like, I hope she did that. I hope. Oh. But that pole shit she did, you guys. Yeah. 
Yes. I know if you've seen yes. FKA Twigs on a pole, yes. aka a stripper pole. But if you haven't, maybe invite that You're media into your missing life. Everything. It just, I, I'm just saying she. There were tricks and stunts that she did on that. Um, I feel like I was going to church, Sapphic church. I was like, this is this is fantastic. It felt like we were in a Sapphic church, to just be quite honest. Well, there was a lot of gay people in there. Yeah. All over. The hats were definitely outnumbered. Um, but also the, just the set, uh, her dancers, just everything she was doing, she was bringing it. So this is an endorsement. I mean, she's not, like, don't go there. Don't go to a show if you're like, I don't know. Or, or if you're not ready don't to. Don't be in the pit. I'll say that. Like, take one of those seats that's, like, higher up where you can be like, oh, this sounds nice. <laughs> this sounds rather cool. <laughs> Don't be like Terrence, whose feet hurt. I was I was hungry and tired, but I, I, I chalk it up to my many years of ridiculous just nightlife situation. That's why I can hold more gin than you, I'm convinced. Those young nights, those 20s things where right, they, they many, sort of I lost count. Yeah. All the all the gay clubs I was jaunting into when I was 18, 19 with my friends in college, they... drinking, like, you know, you get in the club and because you're young, you're like, oh, let's start the drinking now. And so you've had nine or 10 drinks and it's 1 a.m. So I don't do that anymore. But my tolerance apparently is still there because I just don't, I don't. Unless it's tequila. Tequila is... Tequila is no one's friend. Tequila is, <laughs> that is the accurate thing you said. Tequila is no one's friend. Tequila fucks up your belly. Don't I do it for you? I was so angry during that performance. I was angry. People were sad. I was angry. Don't I do it for you? <laughs> I was like, girl, fuck him. Sorry, that's just, that's just where I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, too, we totally forgot to mention the sword bit, which how, how did I, we forget to mention that? And then that's that? how she released the whole backdrop of the, yeah. the band. And the... Oh, my God, you guys. She had a bit where <laughs> she had a sword. I don't know. Maybe you've seen her practice videos online with a baton. Um, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to anything I say on this podcast. You know. That one of those solid categories where nothing else has to make any sense is women with swords. Yes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the plot is. It doesn't matter what the reason is. You could just be jaunting down the street right now with a sword. And I would be like, I support you. Mm-hmm. I stand forevermore. <laughs> How can I pledge my fealty, woman? So, yeah, she did that. I Maybe I'll put it on the Instagram if you guys care. Because I took a video. I did not post it. I just took it for myself to be like, look at her with that sword. And then I was like, it's what happens whenever I see sword play. I want to go home and play with my sword. Okay. But then I, people get concerned. They're like, can just put that pointy thing away. But she was she was rather skilled. It's good yes. to know that yet another woman is ready for the apocalypse. Should it go down? Right. Don't fuck with twigs. It looks like they'll have that that uh, British smoke <laughs> with the with the pointy end. Watch out. Every time I see like a preview of something that's about to go down where like it's some movie with um okay this the female led battalion it's like I hope that oh they all God. took real life sword training so that they really have those skills and that jaunt in real life. That's what they deserve. Right. Versus, you know, the other movies where it's like, oh, femme fatale spies and <laughs> they're holding weapons that they probably don't no, know how to use. I feel like if women are on set learning how to be killers, they should have what Halle Berry had on John Wick. Like, get that skill. Leave set with that skill. Right. Not just your paycheck, not just a good performance, but a way to kill somebody just in case, you know what I'm saying? Someone tries to run up on you. In life or in the apocalypse, that you can defend yourself, and I mean, I—that's just my energy in general. 
No, women yeah. should know how to defend themselves. And I know some people are pacifists and they're very gentle. But I really do feel like, unfortunately, in this life, like a good, a good solid five moves that, you know, some wrestling background, a way to get yourself out of something or a way to hit somebody to potentially give you half a chance is the way to go. Fuck. So if anyone ever meets me in the streets uh, and you would like me to teach you a deadly move, I would so oblige. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you compared it to... Yes, Calibrate is definitely one who takes skills from every project that she's working on. Even, I remember she did an over-interview after Catwoman and was like, look, I'll show you how to crack this whip. I was like, oh, right? <laughs> At least she took something positive from Catwoman when right. no one else did. And that movie was a hot mess, but it did have her and Sharon Stone. And I just, I'm a fan of Sharon Stone because, yeah. especially because of yeah. Casino. Like, Casino, like, God. I'm not even a Scorsese fan like that because he can be kind of repetitive with his male perspective. But Casino is a work of art. And Sharon Stone is a big part of that work of art. So even though it was a ridiculous plot, like, wasn't she like, the CEO of some makeup company and she was like evil and I was like who the fuck came up with this plot how dare you shit and spit on the name of Miss Barry and Miss Stone but I, I think they got big paychecks for it so whatever they laughed last like sure they got clowned a little bit but whatever they looked great at the same time yeah so and they still look great right now so I mean you could probably compare the photos and be like well would you oh okay but um, so, yeah, that's our mini endorsement for FK Twigs and all of her amazing dancers looking like some Alvin Ailey fucking that's amazing experimental art performance art show. I loved it. And she's heading to the UK. So that was her last. That was her last American show, right? In the States. Yeah. And appropriately keeping us in the dolefuls with some of these lyrics because boy, boy, are they matching this this episode seven in a very apt fashion. My God. Especially that jaunt Ann Lister was having at the end there. I was thinking about one of her earlier songs where she's like, you say you want me, I say you'll live without it. Mm -hmm, <laughs> Yo! Mm -hmm. That's Ann Lister to Mariana. Oh, you want me? But bitch, we, what are you, what are we even? No. And I will like to also point out, even though we're not there, that in Ann's diary, she does talk about having a, a tolerable kiss between or with Mariana in this time. So it fits what we see. That she's like, yeah, we fucked, but... <laughs> I could have not. In yeah, fact, right? I could have read. I could have written a journal entry and been just as tolerably satisfied with this Ooh. moment. I mean, I'm ad-libbing, <laughs> but that's what I right, feel. Right, right, That's what I fucking feel. You know what else, guys? I'm going to just put this out there in case it goes down. My sister texted me. My little sister texted me earlier today. I told us to Terrence about my mom and crying about merch and, and podcast stuff. And I said, Lord, why? Oh, my. This why is, is this happening? Awkward. Maybe. <laughs> It depends. I'm just like, Ma, you want to incur a cross today? Hoodie, what are we doing? Like, are you trying to have a girl with tears oh, speak my God. to you about... Don't, don't do this to me. Right. Don't do this to me, mother. Like... Mother, stay away from General Jack. I mean, I get it. She's like, I want to support. I want to buy his merch. I want to support my daughter. Being jaunty on this podcast, what are you doing? That's what she asked my sister. Um, ask Candace, uh, what episode? Which, which one is her favorite? And I'm like, Lord. Uh... All of them. Yeah, I'll, I'll say but all also, of them as well. she's going to be annoyed because she doesn't like to hear me cuss. My mom oh, is well, very proper. Bitch. She only cusses if it's in another language, i.e. French or Spanish. But if it's in English, that shit, she's like, Anlista, that's vulgar. That's vulgar. So, um, you're playing with fire. And I literally cuss every two seconds, partly because, like, you're like, my mom's not listening to this podcast. Oh, whoa. What? Guys, that ship is fucking. That ship has fucking sailed. I couldn't even say it right because I'm so. 
uh, caught out there. Yeah, I could I could imagine. Like, I don't think my mom knows what a podcast is, and I'd rather keep it that way. Um, you know what happens with growth, though? That's exactly what I like. Your parents get curious. They're like, what you doing over there? Let me hear. What's your favorite? What's your best one? I'm like, oh. It's bad enough that she was interested in killing Eve, and I was like, Mom, you know what? He just strap talk. Ooh. God! I don't need any speeches. Thank you. <laughs> what do you mean with this strap? <laughs> oh, don't mother, be twee. Don't mother, be twee. Mother. <laughs> don't be. Oh, shit. Actually, excellent use of a Carolyn Martin's word. Don't be twee, mother. You know what a strap is. She's like, no. I told my friends to listen to it, too. And I'm like, well, that's that's on you, mother. Uh-huh. I, know, I didn't I didn't say. It says explicit it does. in the There's iTunes thing. E. See that E? If there were, that E means cuss language. <sighs> mm, pray for me, y'all. Please. <laughs> Because my mom wants to be out here rocking shirts that say "Incur Cross," but uh, no, I. Mm. Which, by the way, have you guys checked out that merch shop yet? At the time of our last recording, we had only had maybe like three or four central designs. Since then, uh, inspiration maybe has struck. Or... Inspiration has struck. You guys, there's a lot of stuff in there. If you have visited it, if you saw like our Instagram post about some of the stuff we were talking about, about my favorite right now, which is the Chaumier Autism. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds better than fucking Lumberjack, which Anne was both. And um, you guys got to check it out because someone else has to be wearing dirty jokes in Lister Crypt. That isn't me and Terrence. Right. And so... I mean, I'll still wear it. (laughs) Everyone needs to wear it. Just so you can confound people, but then also have that like knowing blink with other queers like oh i oh and so if you guys haven't seen the design it's like um it says show me an artisan it's got some stuff says 1832 whereabouts in halifax england and thought i to myself and then in lister crypt on the bottom it reads if you build it she will come which is a reference pun intended (laughs) hey it's us it's a reference Mm -hmm. to an American classic. Was it 80s, 90s? Like, what was that? Dreams, Field of Dreams. I don't remember when it came out, but somewhere around there. 80s or 90s. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, for sure, yeah. And so if you're American or seen that film, like, you know that line. And so that's the that's where we're taking it from. And then on the back, it says, over and over and over again. Good Lord. So, <laughs> anyways, I've ordered, like, three versions of those things. Uh, and a friend of mine who was like, I need it now. She's excited to jaunt in, in, in Ridiculous Gayness. And, um, oh, and our boots. Move, I'm jaunting. I love those boots. Yeah. We have ordered, like, almost one of everything. Not one of everything yet, but almost. And so when all of it arrives, we will do a thing on Instagram or somewhere if some of you guys are curious about the quality. Because it is different than a lot of these services use, um, I guess, garment, direct-to-garment printing. Where when we're doing stuff in Brooklyn, we usually use vinyl which is a old school style, but extremely permanent and nice, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we're used to doing that, but we cannot replicate that by any means with these services that we're trying to use to make sure that we can get merch to everyone internationally versus people who are just in the U.S. and have a mild shipping fee. So I don't know. So that'll be coming up. Uh, can you guys tell that I'm like stalling <laughs> to get to this fucking episode? God! Sorry. If, sorry, yeah, it sounds sorry. like it's going to be a lot. I um, may be drinking to anticipate what this episode will bring. What do you mean? Episode eight? No, episode seven. What do you mean? You already watched it. Oh, you uh, mean what it's going to bring out of you? Yes. As, oh, right. No. You guys, I'm going to post a little thing. Um, And by the time you hear this, it would have already been posted. Right. But I'm going to post a little thing because Terrence, again, in the Dolphins, tears streaming. I didn't even... We recorded a... 
us watching it for our Patreon supporters. And we were just checking the file. And I just stopped in a moment where just like thick, thick, yes, beautiful, thick tears down Terrence's face in the obvious dolefuls. And it was Mariana's fault. It was her fault. She did it. I don't want to go down any lower. <laughs> at least we don't have, at least Mariana is act two and three of the episode. Like she's not act one. Act one is is business end, jaunting business end, getting in, in Christopher Ralston's face. And that's hot. But uh, latter back half of the episode, Mariana, I mean, you guys know. You guys know I we have been leading here. We have been leading here since episode one. I have been screaming about Mariana since we saw her in episode one. And I said, then I have a lot to say about her and their relationship and just all of it. And so we're here. We're here. It's going to be excessive. It's probably going to be at least somewhat repetitive because I will be screaming repetitively about Mariana. But we're going to do our best to have it under some form of control and she'll do her best with the form <laughs> of control i more than likely will just be blurting out random uh expletives and um that sounds about right i'll be i don't know not aggressively attempting to shame whomever this person is but mm-hmm. i just no, that was me humming poppy pacify i don't know why <laughs> but that was just in my head because i just remember how she trolled her ex by doing that really sad song and then doing poppy pacify then popping Popping that thing uh-huh, on the on the pole. On the pole yep. And she was like, I can fuck you better. I was like, girl, tell him. That loser. I still can't believe. But anyway, <laughs> off topic. Um, yeah, so Terrence will be screaming randomly, no doubt, no doubt. As he did in the episode. He only walked out like twice. Or was it thrice? Uh let's see. To get uh, booze. Booze refill uh something to to cut the Yeah, okay. So yeah, twice two and a half. Yeah. Um, there was a line I missed completely. Uh, then we went back and I got to face that. And that was something. To the opening scene of this goddamn episode. Oh, wait, did we even intro this episode? Name of the name of this episode is, Why Have You Brought That? Episode 7, Gentleman Jack. Yes. Said by Mariana, of course, this episode. And so we open up and Cordingly is making something. I said something gross. You said something probably not gross. And I was like, where are you getting that energy from? It's. It didn't Shipping. look that gross. Because you saw an egg. That's all it took. You saw accordingly crack yeah. an egg. And you're like, oh, it's, it's probably, fine. it's probably, <laughs> what do you think she was making? Like, if you had to guess, like, it was a big bowl and an egg. And we are talking about 1833. Man, it could have been a flapjack of some sort. Who knows? The fuck out of here. You said a flapjack. I'm done. It could have been anything. Wow, they began over 30,000 years ago during the Stone Age. Yay. Researchers have found pancakes in the stomach of Otzi the Iceman. <laughs> well, I'm sure it wasn't no bisquick, but uh, all right. Fine, Terrence. Uh, I've found enough sufficient evidence to suggest that Cordingly could have, in fact, been making a flapjack. But I, the way Anne is always skipping breakfast at Shipton, if she right. can, it, not to eat it pancakes. at Cronus. But now yeah. Anne Walker's gone, so she back. To, you saw how she was crunching on that dry rye uh-huh. in the episode, wishing she was at her base. So Cordingly's making something. And reading the morning paper, and there's Rooster's Corner in the background. And I'm like, Anne, are you sure Shipton's not a farm? Because it sounds pretty fucking farm-like <laughs> in this moment. And you can hear the door. And, of course, Baby Booth, she calls for George. And Baby Booth never seems to be available to get the door, which is why when he is available to get the door for Christopher Rawson, the fact that he can't do his job is fucked up. When he has so few chances. How many people mm-hmm. you think visit in Shipton? Terrence? How many people come to Shipton? We already know. Ain't nobody right. coming to Shipton. <sighs> 
So, yeah, she calls for George. George isn't where he's supposed to be. So she got to answer the door and see who the fuck that is. And it is Thomas Beach and his new groom looking bright as a button. And the next scene, we have Anne explaining her travels, I guess, to Thomas. And you were pretty tickled during this scene. You want to describe what Marion, what's going on with Marion in this scene? Well, it's it's a few things. It's Anne first trying to get, I guess, the butter for Marion. <laughs> yeah. And Marion's not being any kind of alert to um, things of the... Uh, the breakfast nature, unless, you know. Nothing that wasn't in the, the area of his member. That's I mean, blunt, but Sally made it blunt. She was like, fuck the male gaze. Here's the female gaze, the lady gaze. And uh, I get, oh, you know, that is that is the demo for somebody out there. You I know mean, what I'm that was quite the camera shot. Yeah. And then, you know, um, Anne's talking about all of the different uh, pieces of uniform that he'll require. Um, talking about... Uh, the next time that he uh, goes into uh, Halifax that uh, he used to ride along with them. And of course, the volunteers tribute. Oh, I have to go into uh, Halifax and one. We'll, She's we'll like, oh, it? It? I would like to watch you. I would like to watch you leave and enter Halifax if I could. Although when Marion does get back later, she is walking in front. So she was not watching Mr. Beach. But I guess that would have not been proper for those days for her to walk behind him. No, would not have. Been. But uh, yeah, Marion was the thirstiest she's ever been in this whole show, and I'm like, so this is what Marion looks like when she's attracted to a man because she didn't have this this blatant like thirst energy with Abbott. No. It was like, yeah, and we didn't like the fact that the way you point out she was quiet around Abbott, like no opinions. But this Marion was lively, looking like she was like she was ready lively, to shoot her fucking shot. But she was agreeable still. So who's to say that she wouldn't still have that? You know, whatever you say, kind of. Okay, but at least Thomas has a better chance of blowing her back out just with youth. Well, yes, that aspect may be um, a good thing. We're just trying to get Marion some action. I mean, I know. Well, she might loosen up a little bit if she just had somebody blowing her back out on a semi regular basis. And Anne basically, she's like, well, we're going to go to York, get my carriage from the Norcliffs, then to London via Leamington with Mrs. Lawton, which. Mm. and uh, then across the water to Paris and on to Rome or north to Copenhagen, St. Petersburg, Moscow. And he looks perfectly thrilled because that's definitely going to be the most excitement he's ever gotten in his entire life. So, yay. So yay for... uh... Congratulations, Thomas. Uh, I guess Marianne sure knows how to pick him because this was the groom that uh, was recommended. Indeed. And... Once Thomas is done, I think he starts to say something like, oh, that's very, and, and it's like, but I don't give, give a fuck what you say. Great. So why don't you go to town? Go go to the dude, get some waistcoats and things and trousers and shit and shit. Get the shipped in colors. Okay. And come back here. And so he leaves. And that's when Marion is like, what a lovely face. And Anna's like, hmm. And she's like, your new groom. Isn't he like hot and shit? And Anna's just like, oh, I don't notice things like that. Also, right. I have a lot of stuff in my mind right now. To which Marion is like, I, I can see. Are you okay? Are you all right? Like, what's I up with you? She says, I'm always all right. Woo! Such an Ann Lister line. Such bullshit. But honestly, I can relate. I can relate to that because I do that shit all the time, <laughs> too. I just lie. In that sense of, like, sometimes you just don't want to explain yourself, but also you don't feel like other people can handle it necessarily, what your stuff is. So you're just like, it's easier to just be like, no, I'm fine. I'm always fine, actually. So just over there. Because I deal with me by myself. So that's Anne on her typical... I'm endless to I'm strong. I handle everything alone. And there's a bit of a somber music because Marion does not believe her. 
And then we get the opening credit. Should we jaunt? I mean, I feel like there's not many places to jaunt. There was a couple places I noted jaunting, but I was like, this is a fucked up jaunt because we're jaunting into something questionable. You know what? Might as well. Just the opening credits. Why? 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 why, why All why, right. Jaunt? So opening credit jaunts. Hey. hey, we jaunting. We're jaunting. Everything's not horrible. Not right now, anyway. We're gonna do stuff like go visit Mr. Washington and see what the fuck he's doing with his child who loves pigs. And uh, his half feral child, because we're not gonna say that all the way feral. Just right. partly She's feral. So... She's partly feral. She just loves pigs, and that's okay. Right, so he's uh, being a photographer, what have you. And right, right. The pig whisperer knocks on the door and says... <laughs> Thomas Sound is here. Pig Whisperer. And he's in his Sunday's best. Daddy. That's not the accent. I did like her accent. I was better at it when we were watching, but right. that what I just did. I mean, y'all, that I, wasn't I blame it. the drum shambo. You guys, I just took a straight sip. Like I was fucking Terrence. Like something fucking I mean, is wrong with me. I don't it, know what the again, fuck happened. There's no Mariana bitters. Got me up. It doesn't there's no bite bitters. back it's, and it's florally and Right. And I put like some peach in, in there. So it's like if Georgia O'Keefe meets like I don't know, candy lollipops. Really gay, really sweet drink. And that's what's happening here. So I did that. Right. Washington is looking at this child like, well, I'm going to need you to not knock so aggressively the next time you come through. Oh, yeah. He's smudged. Because he I'm mad smudging. About, he mad about she's that. like, mm, what's this? And he's like, you know, I'm doing work. But, Sorry, uh, do you have a bottle opener? Yes. I'm trying to mix uh, this with the booze so I can be responsible. And then so she says, well, you told me someone was here, so... Uh, Cinnamon, and so and pops Thomas uh, uh, Thomas, Thomas Sowden. Sowden. And of course, he's like all about every other subject. Oh, what's this thing you're working on? Oh, this looks fine. What are these little scratchy marks here? And he's Grazie, like, oh. good sir. He's like, that's the mines. Um, you must never go there. And then um, he's like, so what brings you to my house? And he's <laughs> like, well, it's you know, it's kind of a sensitive topic. And the pig whispers like, oh. Yeah, that's fine. This is all interesting. She's like, she's like, it's it's all private in here. Go ahead, right now. <laughs> Her father's like, girl, it's men's talk. Thank and then you. she scoffs and says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get all the women because mm-hmm. that's exactly what she does. And they go right by the door. Yes. And the mama is the most annoyed, the most perturbed. She said, "What? He's here? What? Dressed as what? What the fuck for?" Clearly, I, no one has I'm spoken to her about this. At the house, and he's wearing his Sunday's best. And what's so sad? Is that they know what that is very clearly. Uh-huh. Oh, poor Thomas. Poor, poor Thomas. Poor, poor Thomas. So, I mean, Sunday's best, I guess, is the best you can do when you don't have a a biographical <laughs> account of yourself. <laughs> oh, what's it going to say? And he can't write or read. Okay. Okay. So, what's it going to say? Okay. I, Thomas Soudin, want you, Susanna. This was transcribed by my neighbor. <laughs> Ma- makes news do. Oh, yeah. God. So that shit go down. And he asked the daddy, he's like, listen, dude, I, I would like to marry your girl. And he's like, bitch, you've known her for like five minutes. When did y'all even meet? He had my energy because I was like, and He's I the don't... only person with some sane energy. That and the mama. It's like, when did y'all even, how did this start? You're 18, she's 16. He's like, yeah, I'm 18. I'm a man. So, And she's you know. 16 and it's the, what? Uh, People die young in these times. They're right, like, you got to yeah, shack right. up now, get the kids out. Right. Half of them might die. So judging from Look, what we've seen. That's one less mouth for you to feed, eh? <laughs> no Tyrone stomach you need heirs everybody in this fucking uh, situation is obsessed with heirs and legacies and things look at Mariana in he this says, episode well, even analyst thinks it's a good idea and I'm like did you ask Anne? well you know she always thinks it's better that her tenants are, are married off and I'm like oh 
well yeah she she that's the thing she's like i i think they'll be more settled and i i mean that makes sense because psychologically you would be if you get married especially with the head agenda you popping out a child as soon as possible and then there it is then you're suddenly elizabeth sutherland where you're like i constantly have a child hanging off me i don't know what else to do but be a mother <laughs> that's all i can do it's what's expected of me god which, by the way, when I get there, you know what kind of vibes I was getting from Elizabeth Sutherland? I was like, someone rescued her and Anne was uh, from The Hours, Julianne Moore's character. Oh, you going there. I was thinking more like uh, some sort of bizarro Brie Vanderkamp. Wow. Okay, that's different. I was thinking like she reminded me of all the women I imagine, who have been trapped completely and utterly within their lives because of the patriarchy, because of things like what happened to Ann Walker. You're just walking this path, so what you're supposed to do, get right to the sky, have these children. There, your life's done. Isn't it fulfilled? And this concept that this is supposed to fulfill women and that men had this idea for so long, and many women because of the patriarchy, that if you're not fulfilled, something's fucking wrong with you, you're broken, you're evil, mm -hmm. it's done. And it actually made me think of, I think it was an episode or two ago, How to Get With Murder, Annalise was in rehab. And she was in there with a woman who was her roommate. And in a moment, you felt like, you know, because Annalise has all that drama, like, oh, it's murders and whatever. I didn't murder my husband. People think I did, et cetera. You were thinking that, okay, she's going to try to come clean about this, that this this other secret, this woman who is her roommate is going to tell is going to be dramatic. And it took me out a little bit because it's a, it's a type of narrative you never see for women. And that's not to say it's a, a narrative that is fun to watch, but it is a real one. And it's almost like sometimes people are afraid to talk about it. And so what she confessed to Annalise was that, she didn't like her kids. She thought she hated them. I remember. Right. It was sad. so sad and dark. But at the same time, I was like, isn't this what happens, though? If you take a woman, you control her life and you twist it and form it around other people where she's completely denied agency. She's denied anything to give her happiness that now she has come into this full resentment of everything that is supposed to be her life and perfect because, well, you got money, you got kids, you get to doing stuff. So on the surface, everything's great. But here you are in rehab because you're doing drugs because you actually hate your life and you're to the point where you feel like you hate your kids because you're so disenfranchised and so trapped, suffocating in this world. And that's why I brought up The Hours because that's essentially Julianne Moore's character is that she makes a choice. She's like, I can suffocate here and die, which might've resulted in self-harm or something else. Or I can do the asshole thing and leave. That requires leaving my child behind. But this is what I need to do to free myself. And so I don't, it's not a pleasant conversation at no point in time is someone discussing a woman abandoning her child or not liking her child or having these things. But at the same time, women are full-bodied people. And while you have women with the most intense maternal instinct who would die and do whatever, lift a fucking car right? to save their no, child, yeah. you have the polar opposite of a bitch who's like, I never wanted this. And that is okay to say never wanted. Now, that relationship with her children is definitely fucked up. They need it therapy is. in this fictional world. But I just appreciated someone attempting to have these shades of women in this rehab to be like, hey, there are women like her who exist. I couldn't imagine having a mom like that because I feel like my mom is so wonderful and perfect and everything and the, what you would expect of a mom of, of sacrifice and this, that, and the other. But then there are others. There are others. And so, yeah. Postpartum that's, is real. That's the vibes. I, I told you I got that from Elizabeth Sutherland. I was like, I feel like she has some postpartum shit going on because how could she not? When has she had a break? <laughs> when, when does that happen? And for women in her, in her position, when do they have a break? The servants? The help? <laughs> That's it. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, if she wants a way out, she could just go the walk around, apparently. Apparently. Oh, Lord. Oh, we were at the Hets. I completely forgot we were talking about Washington. Um, yeah, whatever. So 
How does that exchange ma- I mean, end it, with them? It's sort of like there's uh, some consulting to do. He mentions Miss Lister. That's right. He yes. says she thinks it'll be a great idea. And at that, Washington is like, oh, well, if my boss thinks it's a good idea, well, maybe. And it's like, that's your child. Right. He you hasn't probably... made a decision, but they they leave it where, with it open-ended. And as he goes to exit the room, Thomas. Right, Susanna runs after him. Yeah. And um, he looks shooketh. He looks like it may not go his way. Because it didn't definitely go his way right right away. And then, uh, oh my God, Marion. Marion is jaunting. That's where we cut to. And Marion never jaunts, but she is on an angry jaunt from the town with she Thomas is. Beach. So we might as well cue the goddamn thing for angry Marion. Okay, guys. So look at Marian this. Marion is jaunting now. I, from the back, I thought that she was uh, Mrs. Priestley. <laughs> I was very she confused. was Mrs. Priestley. But why did she so fast? So she was drunk because she was uh, made a fool of. A whole ass fool. Inside the bank. By Christopher Rawson. Christopher Rawson told her to her face that he had the deeds to Shipton Hall and his uh, bank. In front of mad people. And then also made fun of her for the fact that Mr. Abbott has shacked up with someone completely different and said that he himself would marry Marion if she were to... If he could be so lucky. Right. Um, more so so that he could have the hands on all the coal. Right. So as mortified as she was, before she could, you know, really react and say anything in response, she just cut it straight home. Mm-hmm. She interrogates her sisters trying to find out why and if she actually did give Mr. Rawson the deed because she would want to know why because in her mind during that jaunt back she thought of Anne being somewhere off on holiday right. maybe in Paris maybe anywhere and her being and homeless here comes a Rawson just showing up and saying oh well this is our property you this guys should it. get up and leave yeah so she has some smoke for Anne uh well, she's uh, like, bitch, what is what is going on? And Anne's like, okay, relax. I mean, but this was loud enough. The date is here. For, right. There was loud enough for the servants' no, quarters to kind of be Propriety was aware. lost. And that's right. not cool. And then they're over here like, well, I mean, if, yeah, they, if they're losing the house, do that mean do we still got jobs? So, I mean, <laughs> you don't want to sell seeds of the sand oh, with the help. So the help tried to pretend like they weren't overhearing and listening and being nosy. So they closed the door. And, and takes out her key. And I'm like, oh, this is a special key. Because she mm-hmm. just had it in her pocket. The list of key. And so she finds the deed, gives it to Marion. And she has his face. It's like, see? And Marion is just like, I guess. But I'm still very traumatized by what happened to me at the bank. Right. And, and Lista cared more about why it happened versus that it happened to Marion. As, as Marion is still going through all the feelings. Yeah, she's like, I thought you were going to be in Paris or Rome or Moscow. Right. And I would just be here, homeless. <laughs> with Aunt Anne right, with she's a dying sick. Aunt, right. Right. Don't say dying, Terrence. I don't like the way you just put that. Can we just I say mean, ailing, Aunt? Like, do we have fine. to say die? Let's say ailing. This episode was too heavy for you to even suggest that Aunt Anne is dying at this moment. I can't deal with it. I feel like she's not getting proper treatment from any doctor. Any doctor. I mean, that's, I mean, is that a lie, though, with what's happening with medicine uh, in Europe at this time? I do not think that that's inaccurate. And when Anne further inquires about what exactly went on, Marion gets super emotional to the point of tears really because she was super embarrassed and she says something about what was it the Sowerby's or Sotheby's uh, she names people oh that were around while he was doing right like his all of his bank employees right. and obviously neighbors and people jaunting they know. at work and nobody wanted to call him out on it I mean perhaps he wasn't drunk but 
Right. And goes through, she oscillates through a couple of faces, like anger and disgust until there's just sort of like this eureka moment. And that's when she's like, you know what? I think he was trying to find out how the estate was left. He's trying to figure out how am I doing? How much money can I jaunt with? Because he's fucking scared. And I'm like, yes, he is still crying. He's scared that you are going to sink your own pits and find out that he's been stealing your cold. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. For good, for sure, for sure. With undeniable facts. And uh, she, I think she asked what Marion told him. And she's like, nothing, ma'am. She just left as quick as possible. And she's never trying to go back to that bank ever in the history of life. And I can understand that. Who wants to go back to the place of mass humiliation? I agree. She refers to it as excruciating. And I believe it. For Marion, definitely excruciating. She can barely take Anne jaunting <laughs> in their estate in mud, let alone in town oh, right, in mud. Right. And she gets yelled at and embarrassed about the fact that she's unmarried as old as she is. Like, that's... Oof. You know that is fodder for gossip, these motherfuckers in Halifax, for at least a week or two off what happened to her. I mean, Anne does try to apologize and console her and go for her, like, putting her hand on her knee. But Marion doesn't even, she's not there long enough to deal with it because she's pissed off. And she just kind of, like, tosses. She's like, here's the thing. Here's the the deed. (laughs) Just take it. I got to go. This deed that she was so distraught over being maybe inside of the the vault in the bank. Yeah, Marion is crying. Just toss it over the floor. I'm like, okay, okay, love. All right. I mean, Marion was straight up crying and her and Anne have a lot of shit. And that's what I love about this part of the episode is that you can have however many petty arguments, whatever, with your sibling. But especially if you're the older, as someone who is an older sister, that protective nature, it's immediate. Like you can tease your sibling. You can roast your sibling. You guys can have petty fun. But the minute someone else is saying some rude shit or hurt their feelings, you're like, excuse me. Uh, who am I fighting today? Right. Because you don't do that to exactly. my little sister. Exactly. The only person that can do that is me, ultimately. Which is what which is, I was I don't hoping. Even, I don't even do it. I don't. Right. I mean, God. I'm sorry. You said you were hoping what? No, I was hoping that that was something that would have come across very seamlessly with the with analysts of being able to say, hello, yes, I am the one with the most jaunt out of the two of us. Right. And anything that you can do, sending goons after me and all this nonsense still in my call. Anything you can like, do, I can do better. It bothers me, but I can handle it and deal with it because your quarrel is with me. So you should focus all of your digs and jabs no, on yeah, me. Yeah. I was thinking but of, now um, that you're coming after my family. I was channeling Whoopi and Ghost. You in danger, girl, like mm-hmm. to Christopher. Because I was like, ooh, you don't go to an elder, an elder sibling and fucking fuck up and fuck with their younger who definitely doesn't have the jaunt and not expect the other sibling jaunt to come your way because that's that's how it works so i'm wondering if this is the window in which she decides to start sending those communications to uh the eldest rawson because this we didn't get to the scene yet where she's like i'll send him an invite to dinner Right. And then they're like, why? So I'm th- wondering if it, this is the moment where she's like, yeah, oh, we don't these know are things that are happening for the show. Like if she sent a letter or if she ran into her because we we know the passage of time in Sally's show. Yeah, it just be passing. Weird. Yeah. We can go from one scene to the next. She's like, girl, it's two weeks later. If she doesn't say it, we just have to intonate it eventually from what's happening in the lines. But so after that scene, Anne is we see Anne at a meeting with Washington and her lawyer, obviously about Ross and being a bitch. And it starts out with her saying that, you know, he's still at it. And the lawyer dude completely agrees. He's like, yeah, he's still stealing your shit. This is what this is about. He's stealing your coal. And he's trying to make sure that he can keep doing that without being held to account for his bad behavior. And he's fishing for information because he is scared that Anne might still have the money to sink a new pit and find him the fuck out. Right. And, of course, Washington, who has been excited to sink pit since Anne mentioned it, he's like, so, ma'am, are you sure there's no... 
there's no way like we could are you sure there's are you absolutely sure like, that we I cannot was sink this bit to say that i had a you know an investor a, a large sum investor who for some reason or another i mean they i just can't invest they can't invest anymore it's like me and my bae are on the out sorry right. we are broken up and i'm i'm sad sad and tragic at this time which is why i have to get the fuck out of halifax because i can't be walking around here remembering all the fun memories i had with my bae and she basically says to them she's like look if i do this if i sink the pit which is why i'm not gonna sink the pit i'm gonna risk everything my whole entire income and if everything falls apart if there's a collapse if there's a flood i might have to sell part of shibden and that is unthinkable it is my ancestral home i've gone on for several episodes about three generations back to charlemagne and all the other stuff so it's a complete and it non-sequitur me. and it saddens me Every day. <laughs> she can't sell Shibden. Could you imagine Ann Lister having to look at any piece of Shibden, even if it was the Souden farm, in somebody else's hands? Yeah, no. No, no. And so, you know, we see her nervously playing with her watch fob, which is actually something I do when I, I'm like a, a knee tapper or a shaker or just like a clicker. I didn't really, like the spinners were sort of okay. I like more puzzles to do with my hands or even a Rubik's because I just, I'm so, I can be so restless, but it always amplifies when I'm stressed. And it's not something I noticed. And I, I just like that little detail they have with Anne and her, her watch fob. Because she always has her watch fob. Yeah. And that's how you know she's nervous and thinking in this scene. Or at least it seems like an indicative, an indicator that she is nervous and stressed. And uh, Washington says he's going to go over the numbers again or offers to go over the numbers again to see if there can be any money squished or saved somewhere. But Anne is basically like, why, bitch? Like, uh, I already said it. I still got to risk everything. Right. Like, what? I'm trying to travel. Hell, I can't I can't just be risking it all. And then um, I think Washington's like, well, let me just see what I can do. Like, when are you back with your carriage from York? And she says she... Friday. Yeah. And then we cut to Anne arriving at motherfucking Steph Balcombs. Oh, Steph. Steph, you're only nice in the show. We hate you in the diaries, Steph. Steph, you suck in the diaries. And of course she jumps out before Thomas Beach, new groom. And how long do you think is okay? Do you think Thomas's he's speed gonna is going to increase? It has to because it does. It does he's going to be running around like Young Booth, where it's like, oh, <laughs> let me, let me. Young Booth knows that the joint mm-hmm. is is mm-hmm. what it's about, so he uh, he's coming with the experience of trying to be a good footman. A good groom. So but, he Terrence, he wasn't even means. off the back when no, Anne had the door I open. No, listen, that the carriage didn't even stop. <laughs> no, the carriage didn't. The carriage did not come to a full stop, and she was like, "Excuse me, I got to get the fuck out of here." Right. So, uh, like, he understands the basic way to do the standard job. So now he has to basically learn the Halifax way to do things. And so, oh, if he can we say out the Shibden more, way? Because that's not even the Halifax way. That's, right. the, that's the Shibden. So hallway. let's say the Shibden hallway, and he has to spend more time with the old elder and younger booth. True. So that he they can tell him, listen, you may have learned it this way, but she likes things. She's she likes to reclaim every ounce of time that is made. Literally, she's like to her. Maxine Waters, so, uh, reclaiming my time, right. reclaiming my time for a jaunt. Excuse me, men, move. Reclaiming my time. You see how you're trying to talk to me, and I walked away from you because I knew what you said was worthless. Like, <laughs> like that's Alistair. No, that is her. That is her. She's like, I already know that what you say, what you're about to say, has no value to me. So, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I did come in here with my hoodie, right? What's that? No, that's that. Wait. Let me check wait, really quick. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah, look out there. Full stop. Look out there. Is that there? Thank you. You know, you just have like a random thought where you're like, "Where's my? Did I?" Did you leave it with Thought I to myself, <laughs> did, did I sacrifice my signed vinyl and my hoodie for the girls? Because <laughs> I totally almost dropped it when I was currying them out. Anyway, back to the recap. Now that I've found my FKA honey, 
Yeah, so she jumps out. She's like, do something with the horses, okay? And have this shit ready so we can get back off to Leeds. And then she goes inside and is talking to Steph Belcombe where she starts by saying that she wanted to thank him for his great kindness to Miss Walker. And I'm like, oh, oh. And that she advised Anne to write to him and Walker if she felt it necessary and not to delay. And then she adds, and this is pretty adorable, that if Steph could let her know if Ann Walker actually does write. Like, I love the fact that, at least in the TV version, with how Sally Wainwright and Ann Troma and all of her consultants have decided to take this, that, that they're reading between what I read between, which is like, yeah, Ann says this on the page. She says all the time how she is happy and fine and free, but she's also said that about Mariana several times. And we know that's not true because she was still trying to make a bitch jealous, even though she said she wasn't concerned about Mariana. So this is exactly what I think, that she's like, no, 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 no. When Ann Walker's still there, she's like, no, we can't talk. We can't really communicate because I need to do a sever from this because if I'm going to have any hope, if you're going to have have any hope we need to completely sever and actually once the bitch is out the paint and she's stuck at Shibden for a week or two without her and all of those memories because remember I mean how do you not have how do you walk to your Shomia and do right. anything how right. do you read a book how do you write pages in your Shomia and not see like fucking holograms all those the grubble over there her see. fucking giggle over right. there I'm not frightened like all the shit sorry I'm starting to scream because I'm thinking about Mariana and I'm thinking about little Ann Walker's soliloquy I don't care. I don't care what anyone says about you and contrasting that with Mariana and knowing that all of this shit, all of this shit is in her head in this fucking moment. Anyway, I'm jumping ahead because that's what's going to keep happening as I keep thinking about it. But in this moment, she is showing this vulnerability to Steph where she's like, I'm I'm telling everyone else actually like on the surface, including Ann Walker. We can't talk. We can't do this. But my aunt, you, Steph, somebody, if you hear from Ann Walker, could you let me know if she's doing okay? Like if you just, if you could just let me know what's happening with her, just like on the periphery, so well, I don't have to I write. So I don't is, have to write. Is that uh, when they uh, got back that they actually sought no um, medical assistance whatsoever? You screamed. I, I mean, I, I screamed in the original viewing and some subsequent ones. But yeah, now I'm to the point where I'm like I'm cold and dead inside when he says that line. Because I'm like, yeah, of course they didn't. Of course Captain Sutherland didn't because he wants to marry her off to his fucking penniless goddamn nephew or cousin or whatever the fuck that man is. Whichever man in his family that he could marry her off to, that's what he's interested in. I have the line here where she basically says, just so you know, wherever I am in the world, if she needed any help or if there was any matter in which I could be useful to her. She is literally like, if... Like, literally the smallest thing. If Ann Walker needs someone to tie her corset, do you know that I will come straight away from Copenhagen to tie it for her? She's like, no one else can tie this corset, but Ann Lester, I'm going to have a fucking breakdown. She will be there. Just call me. We're not getting any help for her at Inverness. She doesn't even have a cuddle buddy, as far as we're concerned. So it's all... Solve the nightmares. They're all gone. Yes, yeah, there's no... And Anne's face when Steph says she actually does write, her face changes immediately. She's like, oh, oh, what did she say? And then that look that she gets, which I feel like is the look she gives. And this is actually, I mean, obviously it's a Saran Jones thing, but you will see this look in the final episode. You'll know what I mean. But it's kind of like this, oh, my bae look that Ann Lister gives, like when she's thinking about Ann Walker. Just like a, because Ann Walker is so sweet. I'm not sure that those types of looks could exist with Mariana because at the end of the day, her and Mariana are so different as women. Right. And a lot of the things that are different about them is certainly what attracted Ann Lister to Mariana, her confidence in the bedroom in a certain kind of way, her confidence with asking things and asserting herself. But at the same time, like we saw in the last episode, she's like, she's so kind. She's so sweet. She's so good natured. 
I'm not going to say that Mariana can't be kind. I'm just going to say that at least in her later life years, she seemed more concerned with going for hers. And again, there's nothing wrong with prioritizing yourself. I'm just no, saying. I, right? I'm just saying other people can get left the fuck out and lost in the in the fray and the flow. If you are doing that and they are prioritizing you, but you are not prioritizing them. And uh, so she's asking if she seems like she's fine, if there's been any nightmares or what have you. And he's, and he's like, like no. no, not that I heard. Not that they communicated to right. me. Everything she's like, seems oh. To be, uh... She's like, oh, well, you know what? That mother, that stank ass mother, Mrs. Sutherland, she was trying to marry her off to some of her kin, a boar kin. And you see a bit of an angry Miss Lista make a debut because she's remembering the fact that, oh, yeah, everyone attached to Ann Walker just wants to use her for her money. Oh, great. Fun. Fun thoughts. And then Steph says what you said, that he's only met her once and Walker, but he thinks that she rather has more backbone mm -hmm. than most people credit her with. And yes, later in the episode, she's like, I shan't oh. marry him. I was like, baby, that's bottom energy. That is... That is power bottom energy, Annie. You keep that up, okay? You tell your sister you're not marrying these fucking hoes. God. But yeah, you know, Sally kind of minor ripped out my heart with that one because it's just like, mm, she is stronger than anyone knows, including Anne at this time. And uh, then Steph transitions to ask when Anne is traveling to Leamington, you know, to see Mariana, which he knows about the grubble. Certainly with Sally's interpretation, he knows all about this fucking gay lesbian drama. And she tells him she's going to tie up some loose ends and then go. And actually, I love the way they're both like sitting in these chairs because Anne is sitting pretty gay. I'm like, this is uh -huh. two bros. <laughs> two bros yeah. discussing shit. I love that. And, and then doesn't Steph say some shit like, oh, Mariana will be delighted. water under the bridge? Well, first he says she'd be delighted to see you. And I'm like, yeah, mm. she would. Because she wants that grubble. She wants the grubble. But he does say that after Anne is like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. And this is where she goes. Especially because Anne Walker was brought up. She's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe after all this time, I don't know, I don't know, maybe, possibly, me and Mariana could actually, like, give it a go, you know? We could make it happen. Like, maybe, maybe. And Steph, Steph has the foresight to be like, um, and don't you think, uh, I mean, I'm just guessing from what I've seen on the peripheral, but it feels like too much water has gone to the bridge, Blackstone Edge, Scarborough. <laughs> Not to say he knows about Blackstone or Scarborough, but still same energy. After he says that where Steph is me and just does a deep sigh with a pregnant pause. And then we're segueing back to her talking about Miss Walker. And she asked if there's a cure for the way that Miss Walker is. And do you remember what Steph said about his cure? It was such a simple cure that wasn't a cure. It was more about, I mean, as we said, you can't cure it. You can just live and manage with it. Oh, like Nervous kindness. Nervous disorders. And, oh, yes, because she's asking for, for your condition, for this condition. Is this something that you think could be treated or long long term right. um as far as like if there's a cure that could be found and he said well no this condition is not more so about finding a one stop one and done cure right. it's about management right. and expectations so um the best uh types of medicine for these types of uh conditions would be you know love kindness and i'm like these sound oh my God. like the same prescriptions that you were trying to give oh her when God. she was back at Chibnan Hall when she started to feel better. You know, it just occurred to me. It just popped back into my head because I just thought it was so adorable. But it's when um, when and Lister first asked what Ann Walker was writing about. And Steph says that in the letter she wrote about maybe Inverness being too cold. <laughs> had that look on her face because she's like that is something Ann Walker would say that's totally something she was saying in fact she said things affect to that at Crow Nest she's like it's a little bit chilly can I get a shawl babe how do you like how can she not feel this way they were together basically every day mm -hmm. for several months 
And it doesn't matter how you say you feel about a person or how ready you might actually be to be done with that person. You will miss that person. Yes. Because you're a fucking human and hopefully not a sociopath. But you're right. What he said about kindness and love. And I added patience. He didn't say that. But that's obviously part of it. And that was that was what Ann Lister was giving. Like, even though she was being annoyed sometimes in her diary, she never gave that to Ann Walker. <sighs> well... You know, we've got jaunty music again because Anne is arriving back to Shibden. And we got to cue it because, uh, again, even if there's jaunty music in the back half, second, third act, you know I won't be cueing it because we'll be jaunting to Mariana and I can't deal with that energy. So, <laughs> hey, we're jaunting. Elsa and Nista and Marianne, uh, Nista. And they're, they're perplexed. They're confused. <laughs> they want to know why Nevitation is being sent for Elder Walson to come over to the estate. Right. And um, they're like, but why? They say it actually in unison. And it's like, oh, it's an invitation. Yeah, because they, they talk a little bit pride. about um, him probably being drunk or something like that. And Anne is just kind of thinking, you know, okay, well, do you think he was drunk? Because, you know what? I'm going to bring him over here. And both of them are just like, why? We literally just spoke for five minutes about how horrible he is. Why do we want to see him? Why do we want to invite him to Shipton? And Marion is like, he's not going to come. And she's like, girl, yes, he is. He's she gonna set come. the stage. She had the finest liqueurs. Uh, Would you like some Madeira? Oh wait, we have to. We have to highlight. I completely forgot this, but it's um, it's when they're eating, and they're talking about whatever the Rawsons, and they're like passing food around as families do. <laughs> Marion is putting the spoon. Back in whatever the fuck that is. I don't know what it right. was. And a Alyssa casserole. And Alistair's can't wait. Right. right. She can't wait. She's drawing things to eat. And that just that little split second, like, I exchange between her and Marion when Marion goes to put the spoon, but it drops. She's just like, I'm so sick of you. Matter of fact, I'm sick of you every day, sister. Although not today at the same time, because you're going to defend me against Christopher Rawson. But it's so interesting that she's always complaining about how she's never around for any meal but yet when she's present at meals it's always this difficult time that's so that sibling like... that's that sibling energy it's the sibling energy i miss you when you're not here but when you're here fuck you you're annoying me like why are you i mean i don't know if you're like that with your siblings where like depending on which sibling like you you can be away from each other and be like oh my god i miss you so much but if you spend like an eight hour block you might be like honestly i could use a break from your no, fucking ass right now any blood relative oh true uh, they, true you just need to recharge from people hours? in general right yeah, yeah no no that's them. a lot i'm someone i have a jaunty tenured schedule so if i'm anywhere for too long and i feel like i need to leave i'm going to be they will, <laughs> no no i will find a no. way to be gone no it's true i will find it's a true. way to be gone terrence will just disappear like uh David Copperfield. <laughs> he was here and now he's not. But anytime the Listers are all around a table eating and the family affair is happening, it's fucking hilarious. And so they get to all that shit where Anne asked Marion, like, hey, did you get the idea he was drunk? Like, is that something you thought? She was like, well, not at the time, but now that I'm looking back on it. Hmm. It would make sense because of the candor and, you know, him being so... His obnoxiousness, know, right. his lack of respect to propriety. to speak to versus just thinking that he was a horrible man. Right. And so after Anne is like, well, I'm going to bite his ass over. And they're like, why? I love Anne's first response. She's like, to hear him apologize, first of all. And I'm like, yes, bitch. Make that motherfucker apologize for what he did to Marion. And then she's like, also, I can't have him stealing my coal. Like, I am sick of this. I am sick of being robbed and disrespected by this motherfucker. So he is going to come over and we're going to have a jaunt off face to face where I'm just going to say straight up, 
what the fuck is going on because all this other pretty little thing I've been doing, going around here, trying to be nice, trying to get the price over here, it hasn't worked at all. So let me be more direct and so excited to see that. Bossy and Dirty and that th those are my petticoats done. Like that's that's my favorite end lister. It will always be my favorite end lister. So I was having a great time at this part. So now fucking Christopher Rolson makes an appearance. Uh, the stage has been set. Uh, Anne is looking to do her uh, extreme interrogation of, you know, from not being on the bench. But I would have loved to have seen an analyst that practiced law in the town of Halifax. It would have been amazing had that been a thing that would have been allowed, even though she would have not voted or judged well in matters regarding <laughs> the fair sex because of her internal misogynistic politics. But that's the patriarchy. And it that's is true. What it Although Anne Lister, I think, would have been a doctor if she could have. Or they would let her I mean, do I can see her being be more than one thing. Well, that's I actually what I see that she could get multiple degrees. If yes. no one stopped her, she would just never stop learning. She would probably just keep stacking them up for as long as possible. Like those career students. Because she was a career student anyway. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I'm now I'm officially an expert in five fields. It's true. And I'm getting my sixth PhD. <laughs> <laughs> Working on it right now. Yeah, no, I could see her as a lawyer. She would be effective arguer. Yes. Or she'd be a very effective doctor. Scientist. Architect, lumberjack. No, <laughs> I mean most of the time, like you know what it is. It's someone with her status, status. Mm -hmm. You would grant her access, especially to when you think you're uh, heading into some sort of extraordinary breakthrough. So, uh, like especially with her, you know, detailed accounts, I could see her writing like uh, a very jaunty, like rebuttal to maybe like a recent court case and it'd be like well yeah perhaps... being a lawyer requires a lot of typing and you can make your paralegals do it i suppose but, well yeah uh... well that paralegal <laughs> will have to be on wheels oh yeah <laughs> take a note yeah <laughs> so i guess we at least we get to see the black beauties again yeah jaunting up to shivden hall and that cute little pup that he has those are the Again, the most pleasing things about him are his animals yep. who have more dignity and class than he ever will. He got two motherfuckers with wigs on. I was like, oh, we this is the fashion. I was, I was confused about those wigs. I thought the fashion wigs. was passing. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> laughing at myself and my own jokes. But no, I really thought that that was like a thing of the past. Like I thought we were in the harlots era out here hanging out with white wigs. But I suppose that makes sense for Christopher Ross and his whole energy of just like, I'm above all of you. You can't touch me. So, of course, my motherfuckers will have wakes when they arrive. And then he gets in and um, Baby Booth opens the door and he's so rude. Yeah, that was he did his own version of move. I'm jaunting. And I mean, I guess. How dare you? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess. This on is, list of land. I guess this is move. I'm jaunting on the clock because this is daytime. This is like. It's move. I'm jaunting because <laughs> I'm a disrespectful dick. Yeah, that's what that is because that's what that's about. A lack of respect. Am I supposed to believe he would jaunt the fucking side in some dude's place like that? Who he was supposed to be having a meeting with, even if it was Hinscliff? I mean, maybe he does. Maybe he did jaunt on through Hinscliff shit. But until I see it, I just feel like that's his extra misogyny. No, I know. I have, I have no respect for you. I have no respect for your house. No respect for your people. Excuse me. Now, actually, minus excuse me. He was just like, move. And baby boo yep. behind him like, sir, hello, Mr. Rawson, what the fuck? And he gets there and he's like all meek behind him. Like, sorry, ma'am. Like, she, you see. What he's right, like. right. No, no. Yep. And, and she's like, no, I know. She, yeah, she had it for she was like, okay, uh, so this is what we're on in the beginning. All right, so let's be on from the beginning. You And then, uh, 
this is one of those you know why you're here so let's not but he was trying to play coy yeah like he didn't know why he was there and he stuck to that lie the entire time of just like what what do you am not stealing your coal but i love this scene for the simple fact that it's like my favorite version of and like i keep saying dirty business and who gets down the muck and gets in men's faces for intimidation to be like you're not scaring me i'm not backing down and for all the quips she makes <laughs> from the get-go i i think we might just have to play those few jaunty lines when she talks about the brute oh, i agree that was a nice trick you played and to see my mother and telling her all those lies about me mm. Lily is nice a trick as you getting that thug to try and beat the living daylights out of me, but hey-ho. Hey-ho, bitch! Didn't work, by the way. He ran off limping, clutching the old family jewels. <laughs> <laughs> crying in the end. Might be an idea for you to employ more than one of them next time. Might be. Perhaps three or four. Okay, let <laughs> us let you! Oh! Oh! Hey-ho. Bitch. <laughs> Look, Marion had front seats. Mm-hmm. to the best goddamn show that was happening in Halifax this day, any day. Girl, you related to this bitch. Gotta be so proud. And so, I mean, this whole soliloquy that she's on is a pretty great soliloquy because she's going straight to his face. And like you said, she's like, let's just let's just stop with the bullshit. Let's stop with mincing words. Let's stop with the nonsense because I've tried. I've tried to be equitable and fair and hope that you could do the right thing. I've tried to not call you out on your bullshit because I thought, you know, dignity and shit, it was beneath yours and beneath mine. But, you know, clearly nothing is beneath you. And so let's just, let's call a thing a thing. You're stealing my call, bitch. Can you not? Can you pay for it? Throughout this entire exchange, he's like, I'm not stealing your call. I don't know what you're talking about. Stealing your call? What? What? I think, well, not I think, I know my other favorite line is when he brings up his mother. He's like, you know, you're telling my mom uh-huh. shit. And I just, I'm sorry, I got to play that line because I just. <laughs> no, that that's a tasty line. That it's is tasty. <laughs> it is so, it is trademark and lister. Mm. Like if you're not fucking a bitch up and why I mean a bitch, I mean a dude. While you are on the jaunt, while also letting him know like I could fuck your girl or your mom or like it's like. And, right. and, and go, she's like, I could fuck your girl, I could fuck your mom, your grandma, your auntie. Like, all the hoes love She Anne. literally was like, all the ladies love Ann Lister. You've heard of me. <laughs> she said, I thought you heard about the jump. I Woo! thought, I mean, <laughs> run tell that. <laughs> I thought people been gossiping. People been gossiping, I mean. So. I had your moms in the show mirror. <laughs> My had job. your moms in the show mirror last night. I mean, because this is basically her talking shit. Yes. Just like she's like, yo, the brute sent four or five bitches, B, because that's a one isn't enough. He ran off coddling the family jewels. All right, let's do the line. Yeah, as was I by the rubbish you told my mother, who seems to labor under the delusion that everything that comes out of your mouth is gospel. She likes me. <laughs> her face. His face. Has done. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> Lister eyebrows. Lister eyebrows. Okay, and that cut to Marion. That cut yes. to Marion. That knowing look of like, sis, really? But also, yes, yeah, sis. That's yeah. She always has done. Because remember that joke we made in episode one about Ann Walker coming over and just all the cooing that was happening from Elder Ann Walker about Ann Lister and stuff yes. and like rolling her eyes. And then of course, when Ann Lister meets Ann Walker and Marion's in the corner, like, bitch, this is. I've been dealing with you on your flirts with every goddamn woman that passes through these doors since we have been children. And my God, nothing will ever change. And so that was, ooh, just savor it for a minute. Yes, just savor, savor the fact that motherfucker Ann Lister basically said to Christopher Paulson, 
I can fuck your mama. <laughs> I can make you my son. Like, what? Yes. Like, that kind of energy, yes. that kind of jaunt in 1833. Oh. I'm not afraid magical. of being not only the baby gay in the relationship, but also your mother and to take all of your assets from you. She she said, I'll make you my child is what I'll do, Christopher. (laughs) And just like everything about the way Saran plays it, her posture, the way she's sitting back, that smug as fuck look on her face, smug and gay as fuck. And she's like, and (laughs) she always has done. I mean, my God, thank you, Sally, for giving us these spectacular moments in the first act of this episode because lord knows you destroyed us yes in the latter two so we were happy to jaunt through this scene with Anne because holy fucking shit she's defending marion which is what she says also i don't know if you mentioned that she's basically like look um i'm fair game okay but my sister she's not so what the fuck i'm curious Actually, Marion's upset. Marion is hurt, but I'm curious about what's up with you. You're afraid of me. You're shooketh of me. You're concerned I'm gonna sink to pits. And by the time we get to this whole the end of this conversation, he's just basically like, I mean, because and that latter half of the soliloquy where she just like levels up to his face. I mean, should we pay that last sentence or so? Because I'm gonna it's so say good. Yeah. All right. Because yeah. it's such a long exchange. I object to the Also, so Brandon, was this one take? I don't know. Sorry, I'm just like, is it one no, Could you imagine? I hey, she's a she's a stage if, actress. If I had to so say that any it. three big scenes were one take, it would be this scene. It'd be the the price of coal scene. Right, like even if they splice things together, but I mean her delivering it yes. like in a full punch each time for each take, and then I I wouldn't be surprised. Because there's a lot of moments like that in Gentleman Jack where it's just a it's a huge chunk of words and she's delivering it convincingly. I mean, throw up and tapeny per colf. Uh, right. Also, that will be merch, you guys. <laughs> we've decided. Anyway, <laughs> to the line. Okay, this. Help yourself. Okay, that clink. That was a jaunty clink. Right. I just wanted to say that was a badass clink. She might as well have plucked him in his chest. Yes. Of course, I remember it. Mm. Well, we think you were drunk, and perhaps you were drunk Mary's when you were driving that like, gig when Henry Hardcastle lost his leg. The same gig that you sent back to the manufacturer a week later in Liverpool because you suddenly decided you didn't like it. And perhaps you were drunk when you paid Mark Robinson to beat me up. Bitch! Mm. I bothered to find out who he is. Yeah, I, I bothered to find out. I, I checked. doesn't excuse any of these things. It certainly doesn't excuse a seven-year-old boy losing his leg. But it does explain them. But when you systematically, day after day, week after week, month after month, steal my motherfucking coal, that is not drunk. That is not the rogue decision of a stupefied moment. That is a very definite decision between you and your brother to steal. I am not stealing. Yeah, bitch. Okay. Can we talk about the only thing that he is not protesting out of everything she just said? What is the stealing the coal? Is the stealing of the coal? You don't got Henry. I, but the way she stepped into his face when she says, steal my coal, life was given to me. I mean, but I to uh, on the outside, as a viewer of that scene, we, or well, at least I'm pulled back into when uh, the other Rawson explained that Lister was about to do some cold things and we've been stealing. And yeah. he's very Don't cross saying, my brother. he's been very much so not, wanting to sit in the blame uh trench with his brother he's like oh no you mean you've been stealing he's like oh because you told me to i mean right, but right. since he doesn't have any activities with any men doing anything co-related he's saying it's not him he may know about it he may know it's happening 
he may know that his brother is profiting, which means that the two of them are profiting. Right. But he does not attribute himself to those deeds. He says that's I all I mean, he's brother. a he's he's in full denial. He's literally the worst kind of dude because he's mired in privilege and excess wealth. And he is the least responsible, least moral person we've seen on the show thus far. And he doesn't think anyone can hold him responsible. And why would he when no one has been able to this entire time? I mean, we saw it with the servants who, when Anne was initially like, hey, um, would you be willing to talk about this? And they're like, hell no. He's the magistrate. We know how it works. Maybe you being someone who's aligned with the Tories, you're a motherfucking gentry person. You don't get it. But we have actually been in the shits this entire time, generations of the shits. And we know that rich people generally do not pay for their crimes. They get away with them. Yeah. They get to reason them off or pass the buck on to someone else, which is clearly what Christopher was trying to do. He was like, everybody else is to blame but me. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm going to do this dirty shit that everyone knows I'm up to and still no one will point the finger at me. So, And Anne is, I mean, that's how badass she is because she points the finger directly. Right. And it's like he can't believe it. And he tries to insult her, you know, saying that she right. can't do business, calls her basically a, a fool and an idiot. And that's when Marion is looking at him like, how dare you? Like, Anne is a lot of things. But one of those things is not not an idiot. No, she's not foolish. Actually, she is great with business. In fact, she's the best person in our family with business, which is why she inherited Shipton. So um, back the fuck up. Yeah. But he kind of leaves on his word by basically saying, oh, guess what? <laughs> I'm going to do my own thing, get my own steam engine, and fuck you and fuck your coal beds. And also, I will never pay you a dime. And you'll never find out. You'll never get recompense for my thievery that I'm not admitting to because I will never admit to it. And that's it. Yeah, that he uh, does his version of jaunting away. Ugh. I guess. Yeah. Um, he gets no jaunty music. Sorry. He doesn't, but Anne does a stellar job at getting, just defending her sister and letting Christopher know that no matter what might have been going on in his mind about the brute and whatever the brute potentially communicated to him with his lies, that no, you didn't get one over on Anne. Like she's got your entire number. I mean, mm-hmm. that was what's so great about uh-huh. the speech. She was like, here's everything. Here's all the receipts. They're filed, numbered alphabetically. Would you like to hear them? Because I've got. And he was like, oh, what the fuck? Because he, she was definitely dropping knowledge that he didn't know she had. Right. And he was like, oh, so you've been investigating. You've been a detective. You've been a little motherfucking Sherlock around Halifax for how long? How do you know about the gig? After Elder Wilson leaves the place, does does Marion and Anne have a quick scene together here? So Rawson leaves, and I think we transition to Anne in the business meeting with Mr. Washington, where uh, Washington is saying that he identified some small economies, and he talks about somebody. Robert being able to come down to some shillings, 23 shillings a yard. Oh, but she's still like, I'm still taking the brunt of the financial burden, which is the reason why I said I can't sink in the the first place. He basically says this dude cut the time in half from 24 months to 12, and they could be making money sooner. She's like, okay, but the risk, though. Okay, but uh, the risk? (laughs) Risking my whole income? Remember that part? It's still the same, and then that's still me putting more front to to cut the timetable. And then from there, we see her meeting with her lawyer who is also sort of like, hey, you know, this is risky. True, it is. Also, because you won't be here to manage it. And girl, everyone knows you like to manage all the work on Shipden. So it's wild that you're suggesting this project when you're not going to be here to make sure it goes. I mean, think about how she was with her motherfucking bridge. She had her fucking tools like, is this straight? Is this angle correct? Yeah. And she is bouncing 
on the mind. And so even though she's making excuses, like later on, she's like, you know what? There's other stuff in the world, sir. There's other stuff to do besides, you know, just be here in Halifax. It's like, girl, considering how you've been acting since you came back to Shipton, with your hands on everything to do with your property, you're there every day, supervising the men, checking in on the men, correcting their work, and you're going to have a whole ass pit sunk on your property. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, I'm going to be traveling. I'm just, I'm going to be off traveling because I, I need. I need to try. Well, I mean, I she here. feels like that's the way to catch her knack. So it's like, uh, that's because she can't be in that goddamn show, Mia. She can't be around those men. No, I know. I know. She is fucked up. She does say in that meeting that she has a line that's like, as galling as this idiotic business is, part of me just wants to run off and forget about it. And that's her escapism tactic. Cause it's like, you had so much energy for the renovation of your ancestral home and making money and finding new streams of income for yourself and your family. And now you're just feeling deflated, but that's because the wind beneath your wings um, was partly Ann Walker's thirst. It's gone. It's in Scotland. So you are feeling deflated right now, unfortunately. I mean, think about when the Cole thing first started and how excited she was. And even though that drama was going on with Ainsworth, she was like, oh, you know, I just have a little idea. Like, I don't know. I know I'm just a landed lady and everything. And we're not supposed to do stuff. But I want to sink a pit. And Ann Walker's, of course you can, babe. Of course. Right. Are like, we sinking one, two, yeah, three, four, right. five? Let's, sink, uh, all let's sink all the pets. Let's have a pit sinking party. And to go from that and those expectations to know that whatever you want to do, your girl will support wholeheartedly and actually can in, an, right. in a real tangible way. Uh, and then to be out here <laughs> stuffing newspaper in your broken window, writing to Mariana, like that is, whew, that's a fall. That's a decline for our poor Ann Lister. And then finally, at the end of this meeting, she's like, the only alternative I can think of. And she kind of starts short and is like, could you, you know, get me a loan, the best part of 1,500 pounds? And we're like, Ann, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing, right. Ann? He's like, Ann, what well, is this? What's the um, asset that you'll be putting up for? And this such bitch say, shipped in whole. This like, is what she said. Why? Why are you doing this? I'll save my commentary um, on this until we get the diary entries. If that's all I'm going to say. But yes, that's what she does in the show. And, and you're like, why? Why, Lord? Really? The Listers? Going back three generations to Charlemagne? Oh my God, <sighs> Ann Lister, what are you doing? And she says some other shit about her dad having like 450 pounds and stuff, but she doesn't want to complicate things because he'd want to interfere, which also explains why later while she tells him literally right as she's leaving, oh yeah, dad, by the way, <laughs> sticking a pit. And he's like, bitch, what? <laughs> bye. <laughs> right, literally. She's like, bye, I gotta go. Um, but she doesn't want her dad involved. And so, and she's like, Washington will be there, so it's fine. And so, yeah, that's, that's that. We end on that. And um, I mean, we can cue the jaunty music, even though we're jaunting to reckless behavior. Which is what the fuck Ann Lister's engaging in right oh, now. Oh, yes. Yes, reckless indeed. Quite, quite dirty. Okay. We're jaunting. I mean, we don't really see Ann jaunting, but she's kind of jaunting because she's about to leave Shipton. We see Baby Boo and Thomas Beach in his new attire. And they're bringing some luggage down the stairs. Oh, she's quick. She seems to have a lot. That's that's. I mean, she just loves her niece. <laughs> oh, she Anya? loves yeah. her niece. She's yeah. like, why are you, why are you going? <laughs> why why are you leaving me? I mean, she knows why she's leaving, and I don't think she would ever ask and to stay. Right, right. Although those sad uh, eyes yes. and those sniffles <laughs> and that motherfucking hanky that she had, and how could you? Like when look, 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 when Marion was going to. Uh, Abbott's place. Elder Analyst that did not have all this uh, <laughs> emotion about her going 
and spending a fortnight. Well, Ann Lister's definitely her favorite, but also Marion was right over there, sulking. Right. <laughs> you know, so she wasn't, Marion wasn't going anywhere. She wasn't leaving the continent. She doesn't mm. have to worry about that. Look, even though I'm jaunting away, it doesn't mean that I'm so far that I couldn't make it back for any kind of emergencies. So, yes. And she tells her aunt that he sent these letters over here and some shit about Leamington and going to London and then Paris. And we get a glimpse of Marion, who is looking pretty down in the dumps, uh, probably twofold because her sister's leaving. And even though they argue all the time, she'll miss her. And also because her aunt is in the dolefuls. And she's like, look what you doing, Aunt Anne. Anne. Always when you leave on your trip, she's going to be depressed. And uh, they have a minor exchange, I want to say. Oh, Marion? Yeah, where she ultimately says uh, something like, you know, I'll, I'll do my best to only contact you if, like, ship does on fire. We get a fourth wall break, too, <laughs> for Marion in that scene because um, the fourth wall break happens after Anne is basically saying she's going to stay at the Hotel de Terrasse on the Rue de Rivoli. And just the way she says it because she's in Lister. Marion is like, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so we get a little fourth world break from her, and uh, because she's like, okay, look at Anna on her travels yet again, but also look at Auntie, look at how sad she is, she and so and Aunt Anne, you know, trying to reassure her niece, like it's all right, it's all right, I'll be all right, but it's like, how do you, how was anyone supposed to believe you, Aunt, right. Aunt, when you sound like that? I mean, because you're you're going to jaunt, knows all right, countries away, right, and. You're leaving my purview, and you are not settled. This is not settled, babe. Yeah, and it's fucking... Uh, neither of you. Neither of you are settled. Everyone is sad. You know, and Anne is very reassuring of, you always know where I am. You'll Will there not be me. another heir to lay claim to Shibden before I move on to the afterlife? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then she gives Marion the letter info or whatever. She's like, go put this in the study. Right. So that and way Marianne's everyone like, now? Knows, like, right. Right. She's like, yeah, get the fuck out. I need a moment. Well, right. on. This <laughs> like, way okay. everyone knows where it is. But really at this moment, she's like, yes, literally this is yes. me telling you that you need to leave the room. It's not about you putting away the letter. It's about me having a moment alone with auntie. I because I need to talk about Ann Walker. And I only talk about her, to my aunt, about Ann Walker, not you, Marion, because this is how I am. So you need to leave. Thank you very much. And then Marion leaves. With a slight attitude, as she's known to have. And that's when Anna's like, okay, auntie. So so I can't know about your lady troubles? Why? Is it because I was so uh, uh, blunt with the the Veer Hogart letter that came in? Hogart? <laughs> the fuck? Am I saying the name wrong? <laughs> yes. Veer Hobart. Hobart. You were saying like Hogart, which is like yeah. Hogarth, which is Jessica Jones. And the, oh, yes. the gay on that show. But yes. no, that's not. It's Hobart. Yes, yes, J Money. You're right. That's so yes, hard. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh. Oh, and so she's basically like, okay, um, Auntie, now that we're alone, and now that no one can know what I'm asking but you, I'm just wondering, like, while I'm away, if you could just write, you right. know, um, Elder Aunt Ann Walker uh-huh. on Cliff Hill, just, you just ever so often, just to, just to see if she's heard anything about Ann Walker and Tom, how she's doing, if she's right. doing okay. Just, I mean, if you could just, I mean, if it, you know, if you could just, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind doing that. And her aunt's like, yeah, of course. If that's <laughs> what you want. Yes, it's what I want, but I can't say that it's what I want, which is why I'm asking you to just. Because like, this do. is me showing you what I want and the way that I do it, which is barely, but also very much so. Right. So just read what I need right now and do it. She's like, okay, babe, okay. I'm okay. sure if I showed this episode to my roommate, my roommate would be triggered. Like that request, it was it was soaked in intent. Oh my goodness, <laughs> soaked in intent. It's like okay, okay, I I I take it that you're you're wanting me to do this thing. Yes, 
Yes, I am. That's why I'm asking you to do this. No, she is like, it's painful for me to admit how much I want this. But obviously, I cannot leave without saying this to you. So, yeah. Okay, great. And then we see Anne back in her room, putting on her coat. And uh, I think it's very obvious that Thirsty Anne, Thirsty Anne Walker, is all on her mind. Because literally, it just came up in conversation. And uh, how can it not be? This is the final exiting of stuff. And Anne Walker is the reason she is going on these travels alone and she's trying to be tough and then marion comes in and is like okay look don't be cross if i call you back early because you know auntie is sick she is old so any day now which i'm like marion i need you to have a little more optimism for auntie don't just, just be like oh, any day now. right what the fuck and isn't this exchange just adorable between ann lister and marion their goodbye uh, it must pain marion to be relied upon so heavily but also to be put easily in situations where she feels she needs someone to defend her honor and when the man is not at her side just like circling the drain so uh, the brother's gone right the brother's gone uh mr abbott uh god don't uh, abbott wasn't protecting uh, nobody no I'm he sure wouldn't he even wasn't. travel he's like oh me travel oh <laughs> that's not for me don't got that don't got that smoke right that john is not no. my, it's not my system but like with the kind of i don't want to use the term money the new money that he had someone in a position like a rawson would not have been so oh, right to be so rude to her yes sure. and is her only shield in this respect right so um I guess to see her also go is like, well, now she has to, you know, face the world, go into town, be civil. Oh my God, she makes a plea for the baby hats before she leaves. And who really gives a goddamn about them? But she, what she did was very sweet because she was obviously, in my mind, personally, talking about Ann Walker. Like she was she dry was. snitching no, on herself. She was. She was. I was like, oh, she going to make Thomas a trooper? Because I thought Thomas was lying this whole time. I was like, oh, well, okay. Right, where she's like, every so often, someone is born with a nobility of character that belies their lowly birth. And I'm like, girl. (laughs) And she can't even deal with herself. She's like, now I'm in the, I'm saying this. And it's kind of like when she was talking to John Booth and she was there also talking about it. So, oh, I think it could start out like that, but I think it can grow into like real love. That she's snitching on herself in the way that she does. And Marion gives her this look like, oh, you fucking annoying fucking bitch. I love you. Look at how easy. You're sweet. You but care. But at the same time, I felt she was feeling like, oh, but you could have had this smoke for oh. Abbott when <laughs> Abbott was around. Like, no, why she did can't. I have to lose no, this courtship? Because Abbott don't, Abbott don't got no good character. No, he, he don't. His character he does don't. not. Remember what he was talking about. Like, to me, you cannot have a conversation like what you did and then force Marion to be agreeable because the patriarchy and nonsense He's like, and I'm all about moderation. That is, this that, house that is says, too old. Do away with your family. Right. Do away with your with what your kin is into because this is what I'm into. Like, he didn't, he wasn't even trying yeah, to no. be impressive to the Lister family. He's like, I'm you're, I'm doing you a favor and I'm sorry. I just, oof. I, I just want to knock all this stuff over. And for him to... For him to consider an older prospect also means how uh, agreeable he was found uh, in his town, in his neighborhood. You know, people. Oh, you mean just didn't get married younger? He didn't get right. True, but it would be harder too to marry someone respectable because I mean, everyone was snobby who was on the Lister level. Like, no, 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 right? Not even a consideration, buddy. So for a whole minute, Ann Lister is not so snobby. It was still because of what she says, but also very well intentioned. 
And then they have their sibling hug goodbye. And it's so sweet. It's like tough, but it's intimate and it's reserved. And yeah. you feel like, you know, Marion wants to embrace her again after they break from um, their hug and uh, the kiss. But it's just like that's the way the relationship is restrained. And so it's just uh, excellently played by all the thespians involved. Saran Jones, Jimmy Whalen, fantastic job. Yes. Thank you so much. I feel my voice shrinking because I know <laughs> where we're going. I know. Because, um, you know, well, once Ann John's downstairs, yeah, she sees her dad to be like, well, dad, I'm off. Oh, don't get up. And he's like, I'm getting up, bitch. And he's like, all right. Well, okay. Okay, old man. Um, so by the by, uh, a pit is being sunk. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Washington's handling <laughs> it. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And he's like, what about this is fine? What? You're leaving. You're not even going to be here. Right. Do you see my niece? Girl, I nap during the day. How am I supposed to know? And she's like, I don't want, actually, I, you're not, you're not going to be over there. It's other people, but also it's fine. It's fine. And no one's going to suspect anything because actually this depends on no one suspecting what's going on. And what a better way for them to not know anything's going on than if I'm not here, right. which she did have a point. Right. And that's clever and Lister finding a way where there is no way. But also, and they, everyone else also has a point about you leaving. That's, right. Like you need to really point. be there. Even if you're trying to Huge not point. be seen. You need to know that people are doing right by your money. So right. and also being competent, as you well know that most of the workers are not competent, at least not to her standards, her snobby ass fucking standards. So. If I decided to take a week off and just trusted that my subordinates were doing right by uh, the company, I'm pretty sure everyone would milk every last minute of the clock without being productive. Like, that's just what people do especially unchecked and we've seen her in different scenarios where people are trying to i don't know uh do yard work and she has randomly passed through and it's like no this is being done right this is all wrong. this is everything that we see and more so in the diaries than we do in the show because like we talked about the shomia and the crafting of this bridge like it is a daily thing that she's out there she's being physical she was super fit where she's like i'm being active and i'm i'm involved i'm actively involved in everything to do with shivden so her dad is just like, you know, several deep sighs, several pauses. You know, Cole, Cole's fucked up. It's shitty business. I hope you know what you're fucking doing. And Anna's just like, oh, dad, of course I do. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like that's what she leaves him on. She's like, it's fine. Like, we're good. I got this. He gives him a kiss on the cheek and finally sets off. And poor Eugenie, this is the beginning of her motherfucking trip dolefuls that she does not deserve. Right. I mean, ever since that slamming in the face, I was like, oof. I mean, that technically happens later in the episode because they're just setting off. I think you're channeling when you watched it the second time and yeah. you're like, Beach, Beach hit her in the face with the door. That's wrong. But yeah, we see accordingly after she walks out with some snacks and shit for Eugenie, who is looking stressed out, mostly because I feel like she's like, no, 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 not the car sickness again. No, no, because Eugenie has a sensitive stomach. But uh, when Thomas Beach tries to get around her and she like tries to block him for a second just to engage, maybe be flirty, he's literally like, get the fuck out of my way. Right. I have no time for you. Unnecessarily rude. I just, I'm like, what about propriety? We hear so much about propriety. What is going on? Well, we get an explanation because um, uh, one of the haters of Shibden, because I mean, uh, why not have a hater inside the halls of Shibden? Um, the, you know, the always a bridesmaid um oh god the annoying one the one who oh hemingway not, yeah so she's, although but this isn't to be fair this is hemingway's impact but accordingly is the one that says she spoke 
to beach and told about her little indiscretion. And so I just don't like any of that because for one, I'm like, why are you telling her private business? But ultimately define indiscretion. She arrived pregnant because of some... Either way you put it, it's not good. It doesn't make Corinne look good because right. either she's either Eugenie is some sort of damaged person now, damaged goods because she had a miscarriage, or you're, you know, slut shaming her and like, oh, don't get with her because she got knocked up once, she'll get knocked up again. And it's just I I don't like it. Especially because Eugenie has got to be stuck with this motherfucker for several months. Right. That the, him not being civil to her. I mean, she's already isolated as it is speaking French and only having Anne to talk to. And now she can't even I make eyes at the guy and make herself feel better for half a second if she so chose because he's judging her for what? Getting pregnant? For having sex? Is that what this is? Like, I, I, I'm not sure. But either way, none of it, like just none of the stuff, whether it's shaming for miscarriage, having sex, being pregnant and not being married, like all of it is just bad. Because also, who the fuck are you? Like, Eugenie's hot. Like, you you still want to do some necking on the on a trip? It's a long fucking trip, but... I mean, Ann Lister does not want that, but I'm just saying it's weird. So what did she say to Thomas Beach for him to be so rude to Eugenie the entire time? That she had a STI? I mean, what happened here? I think that um, maybe they spoke about the weird quick marriage to the other help. There was no marriage, though. No, we know. But there was a proposal. And then how that got quickly scrapped. Although she probably didn't mention I was in relation to uh, Even then, how do you, the abortion. Right. Like, how do you? Well, it was an abortion. Right. It was a miscarriage. No, we know. I mean, <laughs> uh, it depends on what Hemingway said. No, come on. So you think that <laughs> Hemingway had the respect for Eugenie as a woman to say she lost a child versus say. Well, it wasn't Hemingway. It was Cordingly who spoke to Beach. Oh, well, that's So true. she's the one who says, I, because Hemingway's like, oh, he's not warming up to her at all. Uh, her charms aren't working because Cordingly's always got something to say, or Hemingway always has something to say about her charms. So it's Cordingly that's like, yeah, that's because I told him about her indiscretion with the previous groom. And so that's, that's Cordingly, which I was like, wow, Cordingly, I expected better from you. But I guess little petty ass, bitter ass Hemingway is rubbing up on you and you're going to have some minor enjoyment from someone else's discomfort. Congratulations on that. But that's not something you should be proud of because finding joy in someone else's pain is not something that I think is a good thing to do. I don't know. That's just me. Wait. So we start the entire series with her driving the carriage into Shivenhall because her previous groom like dislocated was shot out of a tree he was a fool he got shot out of a tree (laughs) it was the driver of the carriage that had his arm ripped and that's why she had to drive it but her groom was shot out of a tree that was Eugenie's former (laughs) booty call right Right. And girl, you got lucky. It sounded like he wasn't a bright one. No. Um, no so no. that happened. But yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, I there's a lot of servant stuff that's deleted. And maybe if more stuff were in, it would seem less like we're piling on to bully Eugenie. But right now, that's just what it looks like. It looks like the insider is bullying the outsider. And surely the fact that she's French and maybe likes to flirt is not enough to condemn the girl. But then this is also her first time reaching Shibden and meeting and she thought it was going to be more fly than it was because right. Anne totally you know the way right. Anne probably talked about her ancestral home that Eugenie was like oh my god this shit is going to be on and popping she thought right. it was going to be like crow nest 
And she's like, I don't even get to stay at Crow Nest. You just sent me with the bag and sent me home, bitch. What the fuck? Can I be Ann Walker's ladies, man? When y'all get married, are we going to go over there? And Ann Lister's like, um, actually, if we get married, like, we're going to be a shipment. She's like, motherfucker, you lied to me. Everything you said was a lie. It was a lie. So Playful was just, he just had some itches that needed scratching in Paris, I guess, or whatever. Like, fine. Uh, it's what you might expect from, I guess, just people trapped in a situation with attraction sure but unfortunately for women at this time there's no contraceptives really available so that you too can have your fun and kick a dude to the curb without having to hold on to him because oh look you're pregnant you know you want to be able to kick a dude to the curb be like no i'm uh, to the left, to the left. Right. And then, to the left, new dude, rotate in. I got to pay more attention to the service because now I have to see how everyone felt about George not returning. You know, because no one mourned his loss. No, and who- when she told the story, she basically was like, he was... <laughs> He got shot. It was his fault. He got shot. Whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Need right. a new groom. That was, that was kind of fucked up. But also... But with it, no... She was keeping it 100. Like, did the booths not, like, play forth? Like, you know what I mean? Like... Oh, who As knows? A, who knows? Right. Like, there's no real reading into, like, all of the connections. And I'll keep saying under the house, but I keep saying that because of Downton Abbey. But, like, with the help, as far as how they all intermingle with one another. And she's like, well, Cordling was on the, well, just be careful not to get too intermingled with that one. She gets Ultimately. pregnant easy. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, so what you did just you just look say? at her. And, right. He didn't even look at her, though. He was like, I can't even look at her because she's way too pretty. So let me just not even... Look in her direction, lest I fall. <laughs> right. I but Cordelia should have kept that shit to herself. I mean, maybe doing Eugenie a favor because if he was that much of a dick off of whatever Cordingly said, then but Eugenie's no, better that's off true. not fucking with him. No. So okay, Cordingly, roundabout, you did her a favor, even though it was in a fucked up way. So Anne is motherfucking leaving. And before Anne leaves, she grabs her giant thermometer that's hanging on the wall and it's finally off. Says goodbye to her servants, kind of a look gives a very tender and extended kiss to her aunt's hand who is so fucking sad she's like those women who just like watch the soldiers right off to war right just like waving her hand you're like oh like till you're gone till they can't see the horse anymore i was looking for what it made me think (laughs) of that's what it was that was it that's that yep off to war thinking never to return right like real bad war yes like cold mountain war with fucking nicole kidman and renee zellweger they made the rain and said, what? It's raining. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's um another movie I could probably do soliloquies from just because I rather enjoy Renee Zellweger in that, in that role. She's actually pretty jaunty in that role. Yeah. She don't got no time for men. And she's pretty violent because she's been, she's seen a thing or two, you know, in that film. Oh, which minor side note. I saw, what was it a couple of weeks ago? Saran Jones had an update talking about how much she loved Renee Zellweger because I guess she saw her playing Judy Garland. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've already made my early prediction. Like I, I've said it. I said it since right. I saw that first trailer months ago. And I was like, Ooh, this is Renee's time. This is her year. This is it. This is what she deserves. And I say this as a Renee fan that unfortunately had to agree with the other people who took it from her in those subsequent years, which to her credit, she's like mini Merrill jaunt where she was being nominated every year. But just, you know, like the Cole Mountain year, oh, someone else is there. Like, oh, okay, you went up against Nicole Kidman as Virginia Woolf one year. And that was the year where I was like, right. well, you did an excellent job. But wait a minute. Right, as right. As Virginia Woolf, she did better. So I feel like this is her thing where, like Amy Adams, where her fans are like, when will she win and not just be nominated? I really feel intensely in my soul that this is um, Renee Zellweger's year. 
she's she's a method so i she deserves it and she for anyone who like is a fan or knows about judy gall and her history like she nails it anyway mini plug that evidently saran jones also enjoyed <sighs> so actually we cut to scotland after this after we leave the sullen members of shibden hall we are we are in scotland and we see our our favorite baby gay for the first time in her scotland wears which is pretty adorable um doing some, some doodling. she is doing some doodling She's sketching her lady love quite well, mind you, very well. And from memory, because that's uh, yes. that's all she's thinking about, yes. like vividly. I was like, can I see one of the Grebel uh, paintings? But she doesn't want anyone to buy that. I mean, Paige's like, one of my French girls, Anne. Because I know she can remember that too. Like, what would you imagine without the brace? No, I kid, with the brace. But imagine Elizabeth <laughs> coming across those those sketches like, like oh. oh. So, so, so this is why. You this want. is what was happening at Cronest. <laughs> So this is the magic healings of Anne Lister. Okay, I see. Yeah, but I'm sure it gives her comfort to just stare at it because that's all she, that's really all she does the whole episode every time we see her is she's staring at Anne Lister's face. So um, we see... uh, We hear the babies. Right, right, I was about to say. The children, (laughs) we hear the children before we see the children and Sally's like, this is Elizabeth's life. You will hear the children before you see these motherfucking children and they are... Completely turned. Right. Terrible twos and threes. They're sapping the um, the exuberance in the bush. Remember the little baby girl who I think as Elizabeth is trying to come into the room and she's got a little girl with her. And she's like, okay, come on, let's go. See auntie. And the little girl's like, bitch, please. Right. I'm she going outside. Off. Right. Elizabeth has no control over her children because Sackville comes in later, like beating his fucking drum. She's like, Sackville, could you get the fuck? Oh, he's like, okay, <laughs> go play my drum elsewhere. I am so great. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the background like, Mom, I want to turn. He's like, oh, just let let her have a turn. I think Elizabeth there. got a jaunt. She got some jaunty ferals over there. Like yes. she, that gene that's actually Nan Walker has made it to the children because that little girl, she looked way jaunty the way she was like, uh-huh. excuse me, mother, I'm going outside to do man's work, a.k.a. play like the boys do. Right. <laughs> and so she sits, uh, I guess she's near the windowsill first while Yeah, she's she has drawing. a baby. We have, she, she also has like a baby. she looks like she's looking to try to attempt a nursing. I thought she was going to, like, yeah. a nurse, and then she just didn't. Like, I was kidding. like, are we whipping our teeth on this show? <laughs> it's like she thought about it. She was like, ugh. <laughs> I don't know the if baby's teething. Or not. No, right. the, the baby's teething, so she's Lord. not really ready for the bite. Poor it's, Elizabeth, she needs a day off. Right? She's like, does she mention this early on about the the dinner that's to happen? Um, yeah, I think it's after she kicks Sackville out, and she says that her husband has invited the horrific and broke Alexander Mackenzie to dinner with his mom immediately. And and Walker's face is like, uh, <laughs> why? Hard pass. I don't want to do it. You no, you, really. She's like, why? You bring me all the way here for treatment that I'm not getting, and now you're setting up a dinner date with someone and their mother. Well, she does say like, listen, it's you know, it's it's just a family gathering. Like, it's fine. Like, it's there's no hidden intentions. Like, nothing. Like, That's just fine. Do me this solid. I'll be upstairs. <laughs> But then she's like, but Captain Sutherland won't like that. That's and what I thought whatever. was interesting here is that she referred to him as the captain. But that's your husband. But I mean, just think about like the phrasing, like why Captain Sutherland, my husband or he like the way that she defers to his rank and title. Captain Sutherland won't it like that. It made me think of. I think he makes her refer to him that way when that's... he's upset. Call yeah. me Captain. Because you know how some dudes have that weird energy of like, I'm going to be your daddy. Steve Martin in uh, Little Shop of Horrors did that to Audrey. 
I'm sorry. Wow, what? That's a deep hole. Sorry, you just doctor. A little shop of I'm hearts. sorry, doctor. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe. But that's you pulled that movie. It's what made. It's me one of my up. favorite films, but it's also <laughs> the film that made me like really not like the dentist. No, well, well yes, eighties I mean, babies, nineties babies. Yeah, you yeah, know, you saw that you know movie. And you were like, fuck. Dentist or sadist? Like <laughs> that's what you okay. They but said that's, Gaga that's might bring it back, and I, you know, if she want to be Audrey what? too, I ain't mad. It, oh, I, she wants to be Audrey. I mean, if that's what's circulating and buzzing, I'm not mad at it. I'm not. I'm really not. Ever. I mean, I was like, feel like I was late to the Lady Gaga situation, but I just saw that one performance where she was giving me Celine energy, which is just over the top. I'm into this song energy, and I became a fan after that. I was like, oh, I like this. And then she was on American Horror Story. And then, well. I like the Judy Garland tribute. Judy was like, I had no idea. I was like, I knew it was her the whole time. I, I was like, me with Baby Gaga was like me with Baby Janelle. And I was like, this is big. They're both big. They're both coming. And the world's just not ready. What years were Baby Gaga? Ooh. Um, Early 2000s? Like back when uh, New Kids on the Block were trying to do a comeback. Like around that time. She was featured on like hip-hop records oh. um so is that like early 2000s like 2005 whatever year kanye west ripped the Manano. award from a taylor swift and, and see the world i'm trying got, to place it because I, know, I, I had a very concentrated part like where it was i mean <laughs> it was work but it was also party and like burning man and stuff so i'm like trying to figure out no, where I, I was like socially in the sphere to be like this is why i missed it because right. I, I definitely knew of Gaga on the periphery because you can't have queer friends and not know about Lady Gaga. But I just wasn't in. Like, I feel like I was in other scenes at the time. And I got to it just, like, later. Like, outside of hearing her in the club, I just... Right. Like, I just, I'm trying to think radar. of, like, big moments where, like, things happen that, I guess, the world at large were talking about. Because her, her concert got canceled because she was going to do a co-headlining concert or tour with Kanye that got pulled because of that stunt with Ew. Taylor Swift. Well, I wouldn't no, have seen I that know. tour. Sorry. <laughs> I Sorry. I mean, to, to do to do Gaga, I would have done some crazy things in, in those days. But <laughs> let me, because I can't figure out. I want to know exactly, like, when in, like, years. Oh, 2009. Ooh. So you're talking about the start of the Obama years? Yeah. No. Wow. Let me tell you, the Obama years were some pretty yeah. good years. Yeah. I'm just gonna like all of it. I'm just thinking about all of it. I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. yeah, I had some excellent times in the Obama years. That's why I put it in that way because that's how I actually do life. Is by presidential reigns, presidential periods. Like, okay, these were the Bush years. These were the Obama years, and now we're in the Orange Cheeto years. And, right. Well. <laughs> friends <laughs> not nearly as fun as the previous but yeah fucking poor ann walker hears her sister be like well you know i'm scared essentially of my husband and she's just like oh, okay great uh, i guess so great patriarchy um still have no agency right and people are still telling ann walker what to do they're not letting her do what she wants to do they're just doing things for her making decisions for her and we hate it blink twice if you're in danger elizabeth <laughs> And then she can't even talk to her that long because the baby's making noise, just being children. And she's like, I got to go. I'm a mother. I I miss when you had the measles. (laughs) (laughs) And poor Ann Walker is just left looking out the window like, why am I even here? I shall never. Why am I here? Never. There was one moment where I thought that I may produce children. I will never. I'll never. 
this visit, this oh. was the, this visit was the birth control. I just got what you were saying. I just I got what you were saying. Right. Like I said, you don't have to, like Veer says later in the episode, that's just like dropping a motherfucking egg certainly would be a better option to do. And, you know, like, do it like the penguins. Like, drop yep. that egg, bitch, and go Bye. draw it. Right. Go draw it. Go do what you got to do. Provide for the family and leave the egg with the motherfucker that uh, inseminated. But no, that's not the way it works for us human mammals. But I felt Veer's energy. So that's why I say kidnap a feral. Or not even, I say adopt a feral because you don't even have to kidnap them because yes, there are orphans. There are children working in mines that need parental units. I agree. Okay? And you know there's some little baby gays, just like Ann Lister was, <laughs> chanting around, getting in trouble. They could totally find one Ooh. to adopt. You adopt a baby like Grifter and you find out that that little boy is actually a little girl because it's like spawning one year. It just messed your whole life up. For years, I never knew that you were a I child. I can't <laughs> deal Listen with you. Listen. And quite frankly, enough is enough because I know what you're doing. This after this scene is Mariana, so I'm stalling. <laughs> I know you are. I I can see it. I'm calling you out on it, and it has to end because we can only stall so much. There's only so much bullshit we could talk about before we get to where we need to go, which is right here, right now. Mariana motherfucking Lawton. So this seems like a fine time for a gender mission. And as we said, guys, this episode was going to be multiple parts, more than likely three. We hope not four, but you never know. With 71 pages of. Uh, thoughts on my part about Mariana. So we're going to go do that. We're going to do a gentle mission. Hope you guys enjoyed part one. Yeah, we do definitely hope that we ha we haven't lost any of you. I mean, if, if there's definitely more to say about this part that we are in. So if you have thoughts, thoughts about things that, that you were maybe thinking that we didn't cover, well, the nightcap is <laughs> the nightcap is upon oh, us, and that yeah. that too will be um three three to four parter. There's, there's, Good lord! There's a, that's why there's are we to be people had. said there was issues with the file or whatever last episode. And I'm like, are we getting too jaunty with the right lengths? Because so, they're like, compress it, make it smaller, motherfuckers. What is with your lengths? Um, yeah. All right, guys. So this is the end of part one. Part two coming up real soon. Bye. Bye. Regency era lesbians. Oh my God. Right back. And we'll be right back. Hey guys. So let's just uh, get into watching that episode. Let's watch it one more time for the Dofuls and we'll be right back. <clears throat> and we'll be right, right back. Okay, guys, we're going to watch that episode one more time because uh, there's not enough dolefuls. Because there's not enough dolefuls, apparently. And we will be right back. And we will be right back. <laughs>